Welcome to the Summit for Wellness podcast, where we help you climb to the peak of your health. And now, here is your host, Brian Carroll. Welcome back, folks, to the Summit for Wellness podcast. Today, we are going to be doing part two of Tonic Herbs with Miles Coleman. Uh, in part one, we had a brief discussion of what tonic herbs are. Um, we also talked about the paradigm between Western medicine and traditional Chinese medicine. So if you haven't listened to part one, go ahead and look back in the archives from last week and give that a go. And then today we're going to talk deeper about the tonic herbs and we're going to talk more about a couple couple different herbs or formulas you can find out of um, qi, blood, yin, and yang. And we will see where else we go. So Miles is our guest of the day, and he has pursued the twin disciplines of Kung Fu and TCM for 40 years. He holds master ranks in two Kung Fu styles and teaches for several large international martial arts organizations. His study of traditional Kung Fu has led him to train in the arts of Da Qi, which is trauma medicine in TCM, and Sheng Gung, which is spiritual healing-based um, on Buddhist philosophy, and he has become a dis, uh, direct disciple of Master uh, Yuan Ying Gao, learning herbal and trauma medicine. In addition, he became the sole inheritor, uh, inheritor of the Gao family healing methods and became their only representative outside the 300-year-old family tradition. He has also operated herbal clinics in three states. He teaches at the East-West School of Planetary Herbology, where he conducts online chats in Materia Medica and case studies. And he also mentors herbal students in completing their memberships into the American Herbalist Guild. He also has a very extensive bio that we don't have time to read off everything, but he has done a lot. Please welcome Miles Coleman back to the show. Welcome, Miles. <laughs> hey, good to be back again. Thank you. Thank you for that great introduction. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, last week, we talked a little bit about tonic herbs, and we briefly touched into them. We also talked about um, you have a school, Shin Fa School, that you are releasing, uh, and you will be teaching some tonic herbs in there. Um, as well as many other aspects of TCM and herbal medicine. Can you talk a little bit more about your school? Yeah, it's um, it's a clinical uh, herbalist school. Um, so I'm I'm really trying to prepare people to be able to deal with, you know, more than just kind of minor and moderate problems. I think the um, herbal tradition in this country is really growing, um, and herbalists are finding themselves in this position of, you know, many times having to be um, adjunct therapist to um, helping with serious conditions. So, you know, high blood pressure and all kinds of manner of stress-related diseases. So the curriculum I developed is one that I worked out over my 20 years as a clinician, treating anything that came into the clinic. Um, and I'm, what my, uh, sort of my spiritual mission there is to train really competent clinical herbalists and get them out in their communities and getting them working as soon as possible. So it's a it's a it's a method it's a school really heavy on meat you know in terms of like what you need to be a practitioner and get out there and work um and it's based a lot on five element theory like we talked in last week um, because i think the five element module is really an amazing tool uh for 
a practitioner to be able to work with people on all those different levels, not just their illness, but uh, their diet and lifestyle and mental well-being and all those things. Um, so I'm really excited about it. It's a two-year, 330-hour program. It's both online and uh, and people can train here in, in, in Omaha with me um, on site as well. Um, and the first year is a lot of foundation. Second year is uh, is really clinically focused. And I'm working on some things with trying to set some um, clinical um, clinical seminars up around the United States so that um, people can come and um, you know learn how to do case studies and uh, tongue and pulse at a higher level and all those great things. So pretty pretty excited about this new adventure for sure. <laughs> and you can find out more information about that at blackbeltherbs.com. Uh, you mentioned tongue diagnosis. Can you talk about that just briefly? What is tongue diagnosis? Do I just stare at people's tongues all day? or? <laughs> That's one of the best ways to learn it. <laughs> um, you know, when I started into this decades ago, I was told that same thing with tongue and pulse. I'm like, well, just, just start looking at all kinds of tongues and feeling pulses. And of course, that wasn't a good enough explanation. Um, but then eventually, that's what I wound up doing. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> and so the idea, the idea of the tongue is that, um, you know, uh, it's sort of, the idea is it's made of the same material as your internal organs, so to speak, and that you can superimpose sort of a roadmap over the tongue. So when somebody puts their tongue out of their mouth and we look at it, um, you know, if we look at the tip of it, it tells us things about the heart. Directly behind that is the lung. Behind that is the, is the digestive process, the spleen stomach. The sides are the liver. Way in the back is the intestines and kidneys. Um, so we're looking at the terrain of the tongue, the shape, the color, the tongue coat, all of that. Um, and um, all of that um, sort of like interfaces with the whole diagnostic process. So when you come into the practitioner, you say, hey, Miles, I have, you know, XYZ symptoms or I've been diagnosed with XYZ disease. And then I'm asking questions we're, and then we're looking at the tongue to see what it tells us about the disease process. Um, and then we're feeling the pulses according to TCM. Um, and so those are kind of like the three cornerstones of the pattern diagnosis in Chinese medicine. And um, that's what acupuncturists do. That's what Qigong people will do. Twin food. It's all kind of a universal method that's been developed. So um, tongue is, I should say this, tongue is very useful. Pulse is paradoxical. Pulse is very difficult skill to acquire. Um, many times people focus more on the tongue because it's, um, it's easier to understand. And many times it'll specifically say like what's going on right now um, where many times the pulse is paradoxical and might contradict other information that you've gathered in the intake. So, yeah. Have you noticed that the tongue usually tells you more information than what um, a client might be telling you? Yeah, it, uh, it, it sure can, you know, and I think, um, you know, you kind of train yourself in TCM to sort of be like a big radar dish in terms of like you're just sitting there present with people um, and you sort of train that skill, you know, so I find myself in everyday life talking to people and, you know, my eyes will go to their tongue, you know, while they're talking or something, or there'll be a tone in their voice and I'll be like, oh boy, they're, uh, they must be doing this or they must be doing that. And, uh, one of the fun things I used to do was go do health fairs and do these things with like, you know, a 10 minute 
tongue and pulse assessment, right? And it was it's a great way to hone your skills. Uh, and I'd set up shop there, and you know people would just come by, um, and you know they would I would just look at their tongue and feel their pulses, and then tell them what I saw, and you know it would just always freak people out, and and it 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 sounds more um, uh, it sounds more mysterious than it really is. You know, it's like if you felt someone's pulses and they were like really big and booming, you know, then it and it and it's in a particular, let's say it's like in the liver position, you know, that's an excess pulse. And I could say things like, oh, well, are you having, uh, you know, digestive problems? Or if it's a woman, is there a lot going on with your menstrual cycle? You know, and they'd be like, oh my gosh, how do you know that? You know, or, or I look at their tongue and there's a lot of, uh, thick white coat on it and I say wow do you have a lot of mucus and uh you know is uh, is your digestion slow oh my god how do you know that you know and it's 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 really quite simple <laughs> but it seems pretty amazing to people that you could just look at their tongue or feel their pulses and 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 know some pretty some pretty pertinent information you know <laughs> kind of a cool party trick it is a cool party trick it is it is <laughs> very cool <laughs> <laughs> so last week we talk, talked about chi blood yin and yang do you want to just give a brief description about those and then we'll go a little deeper with the herbs associated with each one yeah that sounds great so um chi tonics you know last week we talked about the mysterious chi concept and and what is that um so chi tonics are going to be herbs that um e they either improve the the digestive or the respiratory function because the chinese idea is you're going to get chi from breathing and you're going to get chi from ingesting food and water um, so those chi tonics are going to enhance the ability of um, those organs to do that um, and uh, and then they're also going to enhance the ability of the body um, to to uh, release chi from the from the food and put it all together um, and then those chi tonics also can make an organ system run better um, you know so like an example would be uh, um, you know I have spleen chi deficiency okay and spleen is the Chinese concept of digestion so uh, maybe I'm eating okay um, but there's just not enough juice and electricity running through the digestive process to do its job. So um, we put those chi tonics in there to to spark up that flow uh, better. Okay, so chi tonics are dealing with that whole process. Uh, blood tonics, like we talked about, blood or zhu, X-U-E, zhu. It's a very mysterious substance in Chinese medicine. It's not just, you know, red stuff circulating around in your veins. It it carries chi and it carries body uh, communication and they literally feel that the blood stores emotion so you'll often see with people who've had severe traumas um, that there's issues with the blood the blood can be deficient which is sort of like anemia but more or the blood is stagnant um, you know so things like post-traumatic stress disorder and that you know often you'll find stagnant blood um, stagnant blood can also be things you know like um, heavy bleeding and clotting and sharp stabbing pains and migraines and you know all manner of, of things um, and then we have those yin and yang tonics uh, which sort of represent, like we talked about last week, the sympathetic, parasympathetic nervous system. So um, yin is that part of the body that um, is 
slows us down, we go to sleep, we rest, we we nourish ourselves. okay? Um, so yin is like the mother, it's, it's, it's nourishing and it's grounding. And then yang is like the father, it's active and it's dynamic um, and produces energy, okay? So we have, uh, um, we have those tonics, those yin tonics that are gonna go in and really m moisten the system and sort of like, um, stop autoimmune processes and adrenal burnout processes and then um, and then we have the yang tonics which are literally like going back in and stoking up the the adrenals and the fire of the furnace and and getting activity um, happening again um, so yeah they're they're amazing it's a it's an amazing category of chinese herbalism so is yin considered a parasympathetic and yang considered sympathetic yeah, I always confuse that, <laughs> you know, but yes, uh, <laughs> you know, that that part of the, because again, as you know, a lot of times as, as uh, TCM practitioners, we're, we're not really talking that methodology, you know, we're really not talking that, that, that scientific theory. But yeah, that part of the nervous system that's going to um, be in charge of relaxation, you know, and buffering the fight or flight response, and then Yang is going to be the fight or flight response, right? So it's one way. It's it's one way of making a bridge and talking that to people. But you know, to just say sympathetic and parasympathetic is literally like only talking about one percent of what the concept of yin and yang really is in the body. Um, and that's you know that's where TCM is daunting because. Um, it's just every word, every concept, every idea just has multiple, multiple layers. So it's it's kind of like how far down the rabbit hole do you want to go? Um, and even to this day, uh, you know, I'll find myself at times being like, okay, I'm studying something. I'm getting to a different level of comprehension of it. And I literally have to go, okay, that, that's enough because this is just this is just shaking my brain up too much. Um, the Chinese concepts of how we're created, why we're here, you know, how the whole energetic body is created, um, their conceptualization of the universe and our connection to it, it's pretty, it's pretty mind blowing, uh, literally. And when you really, especially when you get into the Qigong tradition, because they're not using anything other than the mind, uh, really the mind and the intention to bring balance into the body, that's where you really start getting into some of the amazing, um, awe-inspiring, confusing spiritual concepts of, uh, of Chinese culture and Chinese medicine. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to ask you with the sympathetic, parasympathetic, even though you said it's only like 1% of it, um, in Western culture, a lot of people are very sympathetic dominant, and it's hard for a lot of people to get more into that parasympathetic state. Do you find a lot of people are more deficient in yin or excess in yang when you're treating people, or is it kind of a it depends type thing? Yeah, I think... Um... I think people are definitely more um, yin deficient in our culture, um, and and the idea, you know, is like um, yin supports yang and yang expresses yin. So to some degree, if you're deficient in one or the other, um, you treat both of them. So you know, if you're yin deficient, we would primarily focus on rebuilding the yin. But we would also know because of the connection that we have to look at the yang state of things and we may actually put some 
some herbs in there that deal with that or vice versa. You're very young deficient and you know we've got to look at the we've got to also support the yin of the body and uh, you know the whole idea of you know just people burning themselves out um, you know is really really prevalent in our society and um, you know yin, yin deficiency is really going to be a condition where uh, you know somebody's exhausted but you know they can't sleep you know and they're having you know they could literally be having like menopausal symptoms i mean their mind is racing um they're having flushing up and hot flashes and night sweats um you know they can't relax you know and it's all because the idea is that that yin that is like the mother that's like calming and cooling and grounding and and grounding people into their body is disappearing so now the heat just the yang just is ungrounded and it just starts to to uh to manifest and you know you could you know you could look at our society you know and actually see it as a representation of what's happening with people personally um, because we talked about that concept last week you know the 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 big picture as a as opposed to the small picture so western society is a very young dominant society it's all about growth and constant expansion and pushing outwards um but just like if you have a plant, you know, you can, f you can feed it fertilizer and you can grow it so fast, but it never develops a root network to support all that growth. So it just kind of collapses in on itself. And that's where yin is so vital because yin grounds that whole natural process of growth and outward movement. Um, and if you don't have that, it's unchecked. Um, and then it, you know, it it's very unhealthy and leads to big problems later on <laughs> you know so i think that is a perfect uh lead into some uh tonic herbs or tonic formulas that you really like to use for let's start right there with yin what are a couple couple of them that you can go into more detail about and dig down a little deeper for the listeners yeah, the, uh, the, the, the premier one that gets used a lot when you talk yin tonification, and, uh, and again, I'll digress a little bit and say that each, you know, each, each herb is going to have its, um, its sort of chi manifestation, right? So yin, yin tonic herbs are going to have this heavy, which means, you know, they're going to anchor, pull down, pull things deeply into the body, rooted in. So they're going to have this heavy um, kind of moistening nature to them. And you know, one of the premier ones that gets used a lot is this herb called um, Romania, Romania glutinosa. And it comes in two different versions. There's, there's one version that is prepared where they soak it in vinegar and they, they beat it seven times. They do this whole process. And what it does is it condenses the energies. And then there's an, a raw version of it that's more anti-inflammatory um, and less tonifying. Um, and when you look at all the yin tonifying formulas um, that are used, more than likely you're going to see Romania in there. Um, and if you go to a Chinese herb store and you ask for it, you're going to see these flat looking pieces that look like tar, uh, thin patches of tar and it's pretty gooey and it's black and sticky. Um, so it's literally like a food to the kidneys and a food to the yin of the body. Um, very important herb. Um, we find as, as uh, Westerners practicing Chinese medicine that it's actually a little bit of a problematic herb for Westerners because um, uh, 
most Westerners, most of us here in the West, we, we have horrible digestion. Okay, we, we dump all kinds of, if, if you think of your digestion as a big soup pot, well, you want that soup pot hot so that whatever food you throw in there cooks and, and metabolizes well. Okay, that's part of the whole spleen chi process. Um, well, the American use of sugar and flour products, you know, everything's got to be iced and cold. All of that just um, turns the heat down on the soup pot. Um, so then people start to develop really poor digestion. And even if they're eating healthy food, it's just like throwing a green log on a fire, shutting the damper down, everything just smolders and sits there. So something like Romania can be really problematic because most Americans have digestive issues, spleen issues. And if you throw this very heavy concentrated yin tonic herb in there, uh, for a lot of people it can start to cause digestive upset. Um, so we're finding that a lot of times we have to substitute some other kinds of yin tonics just simply because that one's too, too intensely yin. Or we have to do a lot of things, we have to give a lot of other herbs along with it to enhance that, um, that digestive process. So you can, you can break down the Romania or the Romania formula and use it. Um, but it's a very, it's an amazing herb. Um, but like I say, um, it's a little prob pra problematic for Westerners. So um, it's interesting because a lot of uh, a lot of Western herbal formulas uses Romania in it too. So for a lot of those Western concoctions, is it tougher for a lot of us Westerners to actually digest it down, or is it once it's with all those other herbs, depending on the formula, then it might be easier on our systems? Yeah, that's you know that's why the. Chinese herbal medicine is so focused on formulas because, you know, they understand that you're, you're putting substances in the body, um, you know, that have unique qualities to them. So, you know, an herb is unique in that it's, it, it's like a food in that your body recognizes that as a food and can digest and absorb it, and yet it ha can stimulate a physiological reaction in the body. So, you know, until Western medicine can wrap its brain around this idea that you have foods and you have medications and then you have herbs, you know, they're always going to struggle with herbs because they're very unique. They're foods that stimulate physiological reaction. Even still, you know, Chinese medicine recognizes you're putting those things in the body and they're having a physiological effect. So you might have to buffer them. You know, if, if, you, if you're cold and I need to put really hot herbs in there, that's great but your body is still going to have a reaction to that heat. So how do I harmonize and buffer that action? So same thing with like a yin tonic. It's like, boy, you are, you are really deficient and, and you know, autoimmune and burning up and you need this herb, but your digestion's funky at the same time. So how do I give you this herb without it causing another problem? And that's really the art of TCM is like, how do you treat the problems without causing, you know, other problems, you know, um, because people are always paradoxes of things. They're hot and cold at the same time, or they're excess and deficient at the same time, or they're wet and dry at the same time. So, you know, how do you warm something up without warming something else up? Or how do you cool something without cooling something else down? Um, and, you know, their principles of formulation how they go about that are just absolutely, uh, they're just absolutely amazing. Um, 
and you know I'm, I'm just every day I'm just amazed at you know how they figured things out and how they structured things so yeah they've had a long time to practice they have had a long time they have had a long time so um, so some other herbs you know that are in that same kind of yin tonic category um, some others get that get used uh, they'll use asparagus root wild asparagus root um, and that a lot of times is um, uh, you you can have yin deficiency of most of the organs because yin does also sort of represent structure um, so you know we could have someone who's maybe lung yin deficient so maybe we've had somebody who's smoked a long time or they've worked in like a manufacturing environment a foundry right so they've um, burned up the moistening fluidic com position of their lungs right um, so we need to like moisten that lung we need to make it cool and uh, and sticky and nice and gooey like it's supposed to be okay um, so asparagus root can have a real affinity for like the yin of the lungs the yin of the heart it's also an interesting herb because um, it's felt to engender feelings of love and compassion um, and you know that's one of the amazing things about Chinese medicine is the you know the mental and the spiritual is not separate okay it is equally uh, integrated so you can't treat anybody on a physical emotional spiritual level without treating the other ones so if you have a physical problem to some degree there's a mental spiritual component and if you have mental illness we have to look at you know the spiritual and physical component of it so things like uh, asparagus root um, all the Chinese herbs can have a definite psycho spiritual uh, spiritual action um, so there's other herbs like um, lily tuber and uh, and glenia. Um, they're amazing. Western herbalists a lot of times will use things like marshmallow root. Okay, um, a great yin tonic. Okay, you know there's controversy about comfrey root. You know and the alkaloids in it. You know some people say, you know it can be toxic to the liver long term. Other herbalists, you know, poo poo it based on traditional uh, and historical um, references. Um, but a lot of times comfrey gets used. Um, so yin can be something, you know, that could also like really stimulate regrowth and physical structure and things. Um, so, you know, those are just, those are just a couple, a couple yin tonics. <laughs> a couple of many. A couple of many. So, uh on the opposite spectrum, what are some tonics for yang? Right. So, so yang, you know, is going to be, um, you know, the adrenal output in the body. So let's just say this real quick. Let's just back up a sec. So, you know, if somebody was yin deficient, you know, we would say like they're probably going to feel very dry. Their eyes are dry, their mouth is dry, their skin is dry. Um, they may feel literally say things, you know, like they feel fried or they feel like they're burning up, okay? Their mind is racing. You know, they can't sit still. Um, they're fidgeting all the time and they're always moving. They lay down to sleep at night and their mind is racing and they're having hot flashes or night sweats or their mind just keeps going on and on. Um, menopause in Western society is basically yin deficiency with what we would call heat signs. Okay, so then when we talk yang deficiency, yang is all about you know warmth and movement. So those people are going to feel just cold. That's the person you know you see on a 
80 or a 90 degree day that's wearing a sweatshirt, right? I mean, uh, they're just cold and they have feelings of cold and, and maybe they're stiff and there's low back pain and their knees feel tired um, and they lack vitality and the the, um, the, you know, the sexual dynamic, the libido is all tied into that. So, you know, uh, premature ejaculation and no libido, all those things are going to fit into that young category. Um, and there's a category kind of associated with that. Um, so you have these yang tonics, but then you have a category that's called um, internal stimulants or warming the interior. Um, and there's a very important herb in that category, aconite, that kind of works like a metabolic time bomb to spark off the fire of the, of the kidneys again. Um, but all kinds of yang tonics, um, you know, some classic ones. Uh, you'll see people talking about horny goatweed epimedium um, because that can have a real powerful effect on the, on the libido as well as, you know, these other issues. Um, uh, some other great ones, you know, would be... Uh, uh, let me say this, one of the unique qualities of yang tonics is, is that they yang will, kidney yang will rule the bones. Um, so you can use kidney tonics, yang tonics, not only for like treating bone injuries, but they're also very useful herbs for treating, um, you know, things like uh, osteoporosis and failure to thrive, weak bones in children and things like that. So there's... Um, a couple herbs that get used in that dual function, they get used a lot in hit medicine. So you have one called um, Dujong. Um, it's a comia tree, it's the rubber tree. You get it and it looks like a big piece of snake skin. Um, that's an amazing, amazing herb because um, it can have hypotensive, you know, blood pressure lowering effects. It will strengthen tendon and ligament and bone. Um, it's 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 a, a tonic herb that can literally be taken um, long term, <clears throat> used as uh, you know where where some tonics might be more short term duration. That can be a long one. You have another herb called uh, Zhuduan, the mender of shattered bones rhizome. Um, or men fracture, uh, dipsaucus uh, is is that herb. That's very specific for bone injuries. Um, I think I spoke out of turn actually because the third one, um, guisubu, is the mender of shattered bones rhizome. So you can have dujong is very good uh, for for mixed injuries, tendon ligament. Um, Zhuduan is very good for pure bone injuries. And then they say the Guisubu has this unique ability to literally pull bone fragments together. Um, so you'll see those in classic hit medicine formulas. But those herbs have amazing yang tonics um, <clears throat> and have a specific function of um, affecting bone health because that's ruled, um, that's ruled by, uh, by kidney yang. Um, and then, you know, you have other things like the deer antler velvet is a very powerful heating um, kidney yang tonic. Um, and then you can have some paradoxical ones in that category. You can have an herb called Sustanches, which is this very powerful yang tonic, sexual tonic, but it has paradox qualities of being a yin tonic at the same time. So it can moisten, it can moisten the bowel. So oftentimes in elderly people, they don't really necessarily have constipation per se, but what they have is lack of peristalsis, yang. So you can give them uh, 
there's a classic uh, kidney formula with um, Sustanches in it, and it moistens and lubricates the bowel at the same time it stimulates um, peristalsis. That formula is a godsend for elderly folks who are who are having problems with bowel function. And uh, and then all manner of you know when you start looking at Chinese materia medica, there's all manner of herbs are not just plants. There's minerals. There's animal parts. Um, so gecko, uh, gecko, the actual lizard gecko is used. It's a powerful uh, kidney tonic and can also strengthen respiratory function. Um, you know, you can tell I get pretty excited about all this stuff because I don't know what it was in my early days of getting exposed to Chinese medicine, but the whole tonic herb thing just fascinated me. It just, you know, I, I just, I just, I really enjoy it. You know, it's like, look at, look at what this can do, you know? <laughs> so a lot of the information that you have learned, is that from your own trial and error or is it from all the people you've studied under and um, all the information that's already been discovered from these herbs over thousands of years? Yeah, and, and again, you don't have to be a smart aleck, but yeah, the answer is the answer is all of those. And, you know, that's um, that's pretty traditional for Chinese medicine is that you, um, you know, you learn recorded information, you learn empirical knowledge, um, and then you sort of like will many times learn the um, empirical knowledge of your teachers, you know, what they've discovered clinically, and then, you know, you learn your own wisdom as you go out there and try to... Uh, try to apply these ideas, apply your wisdom. Um, and you know, that's, that's one thing that's, it's easy, it's easy with herbs to sort of pigeonhole them, you know, to say, well, this is a yang tonic and it treats this symptomology and not look deeper at it. Um, and you know, it's one of the downfalls I think of like the supplement industry is they, they take an herb and they just promote it for one particular function. You know, when that herb could do many, many, many other things. Um, and oftentimes, when people start thinking outside of the box and TCM is very good at helping you to do that. You know, it says this herb does this or this formula does this, but it also develops the ability in you to say, well, if it can do this, what would it do in this situation? And oftentimes that's how like a new application of it is discovered because somebody doesn't just say, well, you know, uh, epimedium's good for your libido, you know, they, they figure it out. They figure another use for it. So yeah, to answer your question, it is all of those. It is all of those things <laughs> for sure. So you, you were talking about hip medicine. Don't you have a couple, um, like kits to make your own hip medicine at home at blackbeltherbs.com? Right. So, um, you know, hip medicine was, a. Uh, each part of Chinese culture sort of appropriates a branch of Chinese medicine for their own use. So uh, the martial arts people developed their own branch of Chinese medicine, and it literally was the sports medicine of its day. Um, so it's, you know, a lot of traditional Kung Fu is dying out. A lot of that information is not getting passed on. Um, if you study with most traditional Kung Fu people, they will use a preparation called um, Deet Dot Jiao. It means like iron strike wine or hit fall wine, and it's an alcohol-based preparation for treating all manner of injuries, soft and hard tissue. Um, but that Da Qi, that hit medicine, originally was a complete system. So you also had 
all kinds of training formulas because the um, Kung Fu was the atom bomb of its age. Um, you know, so people were, you know, developing all these crazy striking abilities and, and, you know, these just incredible abilities with their bodies. So they supported that with, you know, herbal medicine and acupuncture and, and, uh, and Qigong. Um, so if you study traditional Kung Fu and you study it long enough, your teacher will have you go learn healing. Um, because the idea is you have to find balance. You can't just study the combative side. Same thing if you study the healing side, you know, and they both help you to understand that. So Dita Jiao, you know, you can think of it kind of like a chili recipe. You know, it's like some people like beans, some want beer and armadillo meat in there, you know, some like it with spaghetti, right? So there's all of these different formulas and they're all, they're all good. And oftentimes they were... Um, privileged information you know they were they were things that kung fu people held on to and didn't pass on but only to um, certain students or inheritors of the style or whatever that may be so uh, one of the things i've spent a lot of time on in the last 10 years um, because there's a real renaissance and rebirth in martial arts in america people are returning to the traditional roots of it you know they're starting to leave the whole competitive thing behind and studying martial arts for traditional reasons. So um, it's an amazing branch of medicine that can really help martial artists and sports people with their injuries. So I've really been out there promoting it a lot. And there's only, uh, while you will find most Kung Fu people know something of it, there's only really, I think, a, probably a handful of people in the United States that really know the complete system. Um, because, like I say, it's also training formulas, it's meditation formulas, it's it's a huge, huge system. So it was like the sports medicine of its day. Um, so yeah, people people will buy jowl from me or buy um, raw herb kits that they can um, they can make their own. And uh, and the jowl, um, which means wine liniment, it's just like chili. You know what I mean? There's all different versions of it for all different manner of things. So some might be for trauma, some might be for injuries to soft tissues, some might be for specific injuries to bones. Um, it originally was developed as a um, training um, aid for people who were doing extreme forms of striking, okay, to prevent the damage to their bodies um, because it's a very unnatural thing to hit things harder than your own structure uh, long term, right? <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. Um, we have two more uh, areas to go over. Let's go back to the blood tonics and what are some of the herbs and formulas for blood tonics? Yeah, for sure. So uh, I'll digress a second and say that um, for yin tonics, uh, you know, yin tonics, the, the preeminent uh, formula is this herb called Ramania 6. It's the, it's, it's, uh, it's Ramania that we talked about with six other, you know, six herbs. And then for like kidney yang, um, the preeminent formula is Ramania 8. So it's Ramania plus, you know, these, these other eight, eight herbs or whatever. Um, and those are sort of the mother formulas for it. There's, there's lots of others. So then when we talk these blood tonics, the one that is sort of like the go-to one is an herb called um, Dong Gui. It's in the Angelica family. Um, and uh, different parts of the Dong Gui root are used. Um, uh, when you, uh, a lot of what's used today is a thing called a palm slice. It literally looks like 
your hand when you look at it. You know, you would sort of see the, the fingers and the palm. Um, and the different parts of the Donggui have different functions. So one part might be more blood tonifying, one part's more blood moving kind of thing. But, um, you know, I've, I've heard people say this is women's ginseng. And it's like, well, it's not really a good description, okay? Uh, ginseng is often thought of being more of a chi tonic. And to say that this is women's ginseng, you know, just implies that you would only give this to women. Now, women are more prone to blood issues and yin issues because by nature they are yin. And then also women lose blood through the process of menstruation and, you know, the blood has to be built up. But what we're talking here is blood deficiency, a very common pattern. Everybody has blood deficiency <clears throat> regardless of their their sex or, you know, age or whatever. Um, that's a very, very important herb and uh, shows up in all kinds of formulas. And uh, it's uh, very well tolerated. You know, it's not a uh, problematic herb or anything like that. It's one that could be used, as in all these tonic herbs, literally they could be used for, for years and decades. Um, especially the older you get, the chi, blood, yin, and yang of your body depletes during a natural process. So a lot of these formulas uh, literally become geriatric tonics. They become a way to slow down and forestall um, the aging process. So Donggui often shows up in this classic formula um, called Siwutang or um, Donggui 4. It's Donggui with three other herbs for building the blood and treating blood deficiency. Another really uh, important well-known herb that's out there right now uh, a lot of people are using as a, is a thing is lysi berry or goji or wolfberry so if you go into a supermarket an Asian supermarket you're gonna see these things that look like little red raisins okay those are considered um, uh, uh, some, some tonic herbs are like a food grade meaning that the idea is you would consume them on a daily basis literally as food so goji would be put into soups and rice porridge, juke, and consumed. <clears throat> it's a very uh, mild, but yet very powerful herb. And it also builds liver strength, kidney strength. Um, it's delicious. Um, it's good for you. <clears throat> and uh, everybody should probably be consuming that one <laughs> on a daily basis. And, um, and then there's lots of other blood tonics. Another one that gets used a lot is one called um, uh, Hishao Wu. Um, uh, black-haired Mr. He. Um, so, you know, Chinese culture was very focused on children and progeny. Um, so the story is, is that Mr. Mr. Wu married a young wife um, and sort of couldn't perform, um, and he, so he couldn't have children. And so he found this plant and he started eating it. <clears throat> and uh, your hair is considered a, uh, for a man, the hair, or women too, it's considered a sign of both blood liver and kidney health okay so his hair turned black overnight and he was literally able to father lots of children and so in chinese culture that's a good thing <clears throat> now i actually love that herb because it's a blood tonic and it's a kidney tonic and it has all kinds of restorative functions to it and it's very well tolerated and it's actually the herb that i substitute a lot of times for romania because um it doesn't have quite romania's um, food to the kidneys quality, but it's pretty close and it doesn't have that sticky cloying nature where you're going to have to worry about enhancing the digestion with it. And uh, uh, 
sometimes it used to be called Foti, he shall woo that is. Um, it's, it's in the polygonum family and it's really, really an amazing herb. Um, and, uh, and, and, and used in lots and lots of formulas. And I think more so with Americans for those problematic reasons we talked about. It sounds like blood is one of the important pieces that we need to work on really tonifying and building back up. Definitely. Definitely. Um, you know, you can look at these four substances. You can look at these four categories, you know. And, uh, you know, my one of my teachers used to say that yang is nothing more than a whole bunch of chi. And he used to say that yin is just, you know, that blood is a part of yin and yin is like a deeper level of fluidic nutrition. So, like all things Chinese medicine, they're separate, but yet, they're part of something bigger, a bigger whole to themselves. So oftentimes you might see qi deficiency with yang deficiency, or you might see blood be part of a deeper yin pathology. Um, and then, of course, obviously, all of them uh, could combine together. Um, and yeah, blood is, is really, really important. Um, where it was very important, you know, it was very important to martial arts people was that blood has to nourish tendon and ligament. So one of the ways that you can increase flexibility is by taking blood tonics. And there were very specific um, training formulas um, to uh, facilitate flexibility and stretching for, for kicking and stance work um, that revolved around um, goji berries and dong gui and other herbs um, to get those to get those connective tissues nice and supple so they can elongate and stretch or whatever. Um, Do you have so, any formulas right off the bat that would help with flexibility? Um, there's a there's a classic uh, there's a classic one Shujin San, and again it's like Dit Jiao. Many Kung Fu people will have their own version of it, but uh, Michael Tierra's uh, product line of of planetary herbals has a formula called um, Flexibility, and it's based on this old Kung Fu formula, but like. All of Michael Tierra's stuff, he integrates herbs from other traditions. He was like one of the first people to really, uh, really do that. Um, so you can, you know, that planetary line is found everywhere. You go in any supermarket, any major city, you're going to find it. And that, that formula is really pretty amazing because um, I've seen it myself. In fact, I, you know, at different times I may start feeling more stiff or tight depending on the weather or maybe my own yin and blood is getting a little deficient. I've literally seen that formula like if, if I bent over to touch my toes and I couldn't quite reach over and do that, I could take that formula and literally in a day's time, just a couple doses, I'll, you know, I might gain four or five inches in forward flexibility with that formula. It's, it's really, yeah. It's really, it's really amazing. And, and it has other herbs besides the blood tonics um, that kind of support that process. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, maybe, and I find it really for like forward mobility. So, uh, so, you know, it's a godsend to people who are athletes or yoga devotees. Um, an amazing, amazing formula. I make a version of it and I actually put a, uh, a uh, Ayurvedic herb in there called Google. Um, which is actually myrrh resin that's been cooked in a thing called triphala tea. It makes the resin more assimilable to your kidneys. Um, and Google is used a lot in, in uh, Ayurvedic herbal medicine 
for what they call ama, like sticky, sticky goo that you know blocks the circulatory system and and blocks the chi network um, and uh, can clear cholesterol out of the body. And uh, I think Google is a great addition in that formula because it can really help facilitate forward movement. I know. Um, I think in the yoga tradition they would traditionally use um, uh, what they called golden milk, uh, which was um, raw milk and ghee, clarified butter and turmeric, um, maybe a few other herbs that was uh, heated and decocted, you know, made into a made into a milk beverage, um, and then consumed daily to facilitate your flexibility in asanas. Um, so yeah. Do you sell the um, flexibility formula that you make at blackbeltherbs.com or do I you do. just give it to clients? I, I give it to clients. I do, I do make it. Oftentimes I'll just recommend that people get the, uh, get the planetary formula because a lot of times it's very available. You can get it both in a tablet and an alcohol-based um, extract. I think, I think for anything having to do with blood and circulatory issues or pain issues, um, ingesting those herbs with some alcohol is actually uh, really good. It helps facilitate that. Um, on the website right now, I've just got a few products up there. Um, I have more that I'll probably uh, put up there, you know, over this next year. Um, a lot of people that work with me know I have those things, and people can contact me. You know, they can contact me with their specific needs because uh, I treat, you know, all manner of pain issues and, and, uh, and also – and that's for lay people and also all kinds of issues with martial arts and sports people as well. So, yeah. Okay, and then let's get to the final one so that we have a perfect harmony harmony between these four categories. What are some of your favorite uh, chi tonics? Yeah, and yeah, let's talk those chi tonics. And uh, this is, I mean, all these tonic herb categories are huge. You know, I mean, uh, you know, kidney yang tonics, I mean, there might be a couple dozen different herbs in that category. Same thing with blood tonics. And so, I mean, you know, we're just scratching the surface. Chi tonics are, are pretty huge. Um, and I think, you know, because of the demands of Western society, um, there's a lot of demand for chi tonics, you know, for extra energy output. And so other herbs from other traditions are starting to, um, are starting to sort of like find their, find their way in. Um, so when you talk ginseng, that's considered the premier um, <clears throat> chi tonic in Chinese medicine. But there's, as in all things Chinese, there's different versions of that. Okay, so so you can have Chinese ginseng, and often it is steamed. They steam it over this tea of red dates, and by steaming it, it turns red, and they feel that that makes it even more yang tonifying. So the Chinese red ginseng is very hot. It's, it's both a qi and a yang tonic, okay? Um, the Chinese consider American ginseng, they actually put American ginseng in the yin tonic category because they'll say that American ginseng will help uh, stimulate, build fluids in the body, yin. Um, there's great debate about that because personally I find uh, American ginseng to be much more of a qi tonic uh, than it is a yin tonic. Um, but it can be a good choice for someone who runs hot, has a hotter constitution, and yet they need some tonification. Okay. Um, then you have an herb called cottonopsis or bastard ginseng. That one gets used a lot of times as a replacement 
uh, for uh, Chinese ginseng. Um, it has more of a strengthening process to the spleen process. It's less chi stimulating, less chi building, um, and it's very inexpensive and it was <clears throat> felt to be a good substitute. And then, you know, I mean, and astragalus is another premier herb. So if you get astragalus, it'll look like these big, long tongue depressors. That is an absolutely phenomenal herb, not only for gently building chi, um, but it's also used a lot of times in China to support the body when you're going through chemo. Um, it can have uh, um, auto, uh, you know, immune strengthening benefits, um, on and on and on. And that is a that is an herb too that is often taken for decades at a time and is often um, cooked with foods, um, rice porridge, all of that kind of thing. And then... Uh, Sounds like astragalus would be a good option for a lot of the people around here going through cancer treatments. Yep, you'll see it. There's a thing called Zheng, uh, Zheng Fu. It's a, it's a formula that's created to support the body when you're going through chemo. Um, you know, the Chinese recognize that any kind of cleansing therapy, you know, whether it be colon cleansing, sweating, um, you know, liver cleansing, or like chemotherapy, um, that you lose the righteous chi of the body. In that process of purging um, evils and toxins, you lose some of the natural vitality that's supposed to be there. Um, so chemo is, you know, it's generally very debilitating to the body. So you've got to protect that righteous energy and you've got to add back into it because um, that really is what's going to be the thing that's going to help you be successful in your cancer treatment is the degree to which your body can um, fight that cancer and suppress it and you know uh, keep it in keep it in remission um, so yeah super super important and then um, I'll just say a couple others <clears throat> so uh, a lot of times, like we talked about last week, the Western herbalists will talk about adaptogens, these herbs that have the ability to um, help the body adapt to stress. Uh, I think adaptogen is a much more broad term because you could put all kinds of these different herbs in that adaptogenic category because chi, blood, yin, and yang, if, if you're deficient and you build those things, they're all going to help you adapt to the pressures and strains that you're your life is putting on you. So I think it's a more broad-ranging category. Um, Eleuthero, what used to be known as Siberian ginseng, is one that there's an incredible amount of medical research on. The Russian government did a lot of research on that and used it with its population. Um, and that's a really powerful chi tonic. Um, but like a lot of Chinese, like a lot of herbs, an herb can be in a category and have a function, um, but it'll have a specific nuance. <clears throat> so I guess if I was saying like somebody came to me and they were a runner and they're like, what kind of chi tonic should I take? And I'd say, well, you know, if you're training for a short distance explosive event, something like American ginseng, Chinese ginseng would very, be very good for that. If you were training for an altitude event or a long distance event, Eleuthero would be better for that because it develops more of a, a sort of a long-term uh, uh, reserve of energy. And um, one other, I mean, there's we could we could go on for hours on end about all these different tonic herbs, but another one that's getting a lot of press is an herb called Rhodiola, Arctic Rose. And there's a thought that this herb was used by Scandinavian people, aka Vikings and whatnot, and this is what contributed so much to their vitality. Um, and rhodiola is a really amazing chi tonic herb because 
it has a very clean energy to it. And I should say that um, when people take chi tonics, this is not going to be an energy like drinking coffee. You're not going to get this buzzy, you know, upsurge of energy and then a crash. Your energy is going to come on and it's going to feel even and consistent through the day. Rhodiola is probably one of the most cleanest feeling uh, chi tonics that you can use. And at the same time, it also um, strengthens your, your mind or what the Chinese call your shen function and aids, uh, it aids cognitive function. It's really an, an amazing, amazing herb. And it has a relatively neutral energy. So um, people who are excess can use it or people who are deficient can use it. Um, and it's just a lovely herb. It actually smells like roses. Um, and that one's getting uh, used a lot. And you'll often see Siberian ginseng and rhodiola combined together for like altitude sickness or people training for high altitude events. Um, amazing category of herbs. Yes, it is. And I wish we had more time to talk a lot more about these herbs, but unfortunately we don't. Um, Quickly, where do you source some of your herbs from and where can people go to get some of these herbs? That's a great question, Brian. That, you know, that's becoming really a, a, a very important issue. Um, even in China, you know, the level of pollution in China is really getting um, shocking and scary from, from people I know that are going there. Um, uh, some of the big companies like, like Mayway, who is a big industry leader, have actually uh, created their own farms to grow medicinal herbs on um, because of the pollution problems. Um, and, you know, uh, it's so so there's a variety of companies um, and and a lot of, uh, you know, Mayway, New Herbs, um, you know, on and on and on. And what they're doing is they're making sure that they're sourcing herbs and, and those herbs are being uh uh, prepared and uh, there's GMP good manufacturing processes going on there has to be certification testing for heavy metals all of those things um, if you're going to kind of like your little local neighborhood Chinese herb store in Chinatown and that's um, not to you know not to put anybody down sometimes those will be more problematic because um, they might be coming from sources outside of the mainstream so you might have more incidence of heavy metals in those uh, in those preparations or uh, a big one is traditionally the herbs were um, um, they would burn sulfur um, to kill any you know parasites bugs or whatever um, and a lot of people have sulfur sensitivities so if you have sulfur sensitivities you you know you might need to talk to your supplier and ask them if they're you know, if they've been sulfur smoked or they're soaked in sulfites or whatever. Um, you know, uh, I mean, Mayway is generally considered uh, an industry leader, but there's lots and lots and lots of other great ones. Um, like you and I talked a little bit, one brand that I, uh, as far as tonic herbs that I find really amazing, and uh, they're in Los Angeles, is uh, Rontier Gardens uh, Dragon Herbs. Um, when you when you read all the stuff about the how, you know how a 200 year old he shall Wu root will return you back to being 18 years old, when you are able to use these authentic tonic herbs from authentic sources and they're as old as they are, their health benefit is just absolutely amazing. It's uh, and I so anyway I find Rontier Gardens line because he's accessing very premier high quality old tonic herbs um, from the, uh, I think the Chongbai mountain region in China. And the company's name is Dragon Herbs. I don't get any, 
uh, feedback or money or anything from those from those folks. Um, <clears throat> simply an amazing product line. So you can go on there and uh, check it out, and they have people you can talk to and get recommendations. Um, but that's an amazing, amazing product line, especially for tonic herbs. Awesome, Miles. Thanks once again for coming on to the show. Um, if anybody is interested more in what Miles Coleman is doing, you can find him at blackbeltherbs.com. He's got his Shinfa school that's going to be coming out here pretty quick. You also do consultations, don't you, Miles? I do. If they go on the uh, Black Belt Herbs page, um, they'll see different levels of um, of consultation that I have, you know, from pain to very serious medical conditions, you know, more chronic illness people have. Um, so I work at a variety of levels. Um, I can't do pulse diagnosis long term, um, but I can get pictures of people's tongues and things. And I can, I can do quite a bit long distance. Um, so yeah, please, please check that out. That is an important part of what I do is working clinically as well. And you have a thousand Facebook pages. Do you want to list off a couple of them? <laughs> right, exactly. So uh, I have the page for the school, which is the the Shinfa School of uh, Herbal and Energetic Medicine. Um, I have a Facebook page, uh, Black Belt Herbs. That one's devoted to a lot of um, uh, sports injury, daki, hit medicine stuff. Um, and then I have a page... Uh, Ling Chi Medical Qigong, that's devoted to the uh, to the healing method, uh, medical Qigong that I'm going to teach. Um, that I'm going to start uh, running more uh, uh, more teaching uh, uh, teaching events for that around the country to promote that method that I learned and uh, and keep it alive. So yes, you can check all those out. <laughs> Please do. Well, thanks again, Miles, for coming out. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks so much, Brian. This has just been a gas. Um, love talking Chinese medicine and uh, anytime, my friend. Me too. Please come back. Uh, for sure. I will. Okay. For anyone uh, that wants to find out more information about the tonic herbs, we did do a podcast le- last week. If you go to summitforwellness.com slash podcasts, you can see that in the archives. And for future podcasts, you can go to that same link and you will see all the updated podcasts there. And if you want more information please go to summitforwellness.com. We will see everybody next week for our next podcast. Take care. You have been listening to the Summit for Wellness podcast. If you are ready to climb to the peak of your health, visit summitforwellness.com for more information. As you continue on your journey, we hope that you will join us next time on the Summit for Wellness podcast.